So the Bible says in verse 5 of Romans 4, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies, watch this, who ju- God justifies the ungodly. Wait a minute. God justifies, if I have no problem believing that God justifies the godly. I believe that God looks at Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, whoever you think's godly, pa- Pastor Tim, whoever it is. I can see God justifying them, but the Bible says God justifies the ungodly. Wait a minute. God justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for a right standing. So here's what we're learning today, okay? Abraham was not always a perfect guy. He worshiped the moon god of Ur. His family was messed up, but he had faith in God. And because he had faith in God, it was accounted to him and brought him into right standing with God. So Abraham becomes the type of faith. He's called the father of faith because he believed in God. He didn't work for God. He didn't didn't do a bunch of stuff to get God to like him. He had faith in God. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Now, I'm going to actually minister a message the Lord put on my heart today that's different than what I would normally do on a Sunday morning, but I'm asking God to help me bring this to you. It's more of a, a study, a teaching And so you're going to really have to pay attention in the first portion of this. But by the middle, with God's favor and help, you're going to catch on to what I'm talking about. It's going to resonate in your heart, and you're going to get married inside your life. And so I'm asking God to really help you today. So so I want to minister today on healing flows when grace is exalted. Healing flows when grace is exalted. When you study the Bible, there is a law. A law in the Bible, and that law is called the law of first mention. The law of first mention. Whatever you're studying, whether it's prayer or healing or marriage or prophets or money, whatever it is, whatever subject you're preaching, when it is first mentioned by God, chronologically, the first time God brings it up, the first time God releases it from heaven to earth, it carries within that text tremendous insight and truth. God is releasing a new truth to the earth. He's releasing a new revelation, a new principle to the earth. So I've always understood to go and study the law of first mention. Most of the time, it's hidden to our eyes. It's not just something that walks out of the pages. It's a revelation that God has to reveal to us. And so that's today what I'm hoping to do in this first mention of healing in the Bible. I'm hoping that it'll walk out of the pages and into your heart today. We're going to talk about healing, but this could be 
marriage or anything else. I want you to catch this, this idea with me today. Here's the scripture, Genesis 20, verse 17 and 18. It says it this way. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, so they bore children. Now, this is the first mention of healing in the Bible. And this first mention has to do with a family healing. It's something that ministered throughout that family. It touched the generations of that family. So how many of you know it's God's priority for your family to be well? That's where you say amen. It's God's priority for your family to be well. Amen. So it says, for the Lord. Now, now, listen, when the Lord does it, prayer doesn't answer anything. Because he did it. It's not the devil. It wasn't your mama. It wasn't bad genes. The Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of, why did he do it? Sarah. Sarah. Abraham's wife. So now suddenly, Sarah has caused a problem in Abimelech's house and on all their people. They, they can't even have children because of Sarah. So this tells me that Sarah is not where she belongs. She's in the wrong place. Therefore, because Sarah's out of connect, the whole thing begins to come undone, and the people are sick. Now, let me explain something to you if you're a newer Christian. In the Bible, there's a study called typology. And what it is, is the Old Testament is kind of a picture or a shadow and symbolizes things that are going to come to life in the New Testament. Okay? So let let me give you an example of that. In the Old Testament, there's a guy by the name of Joseph. Joseph, the Bible, is a picture of Jesus Christ. He's actually a type. He's not perfect, but he's a type. He symbolizes Jesus. His brothers hated him. Well, how many of you know that Jesus, the, the, the Jewish brothers hated him? And the Bible says that Joseph's father loved him. How many of you know the father loved Jesus? And it says that they, that they took Joseph and they delivered him into the hand of the Gentiles. How many of you know Jesus was delivered into the hand of the Gentiles? They sent Joseph into prison, but when he came out of the prison, he set the captives free. How many of you know Jesus went into prison and set the captives free when he came out? He rose, Joseph rose to sit at the right hand of the ruler. How many of you know Jesus sits at the right hand of the father? Amen. And so Joseph began to be the bread of life for the Gentile world. How many of you know Jesus is the bread of life for all people? Amen. Somebody say amen. So Joseph is a type. You get the picture. He's a type. He's a shadow. He's a, he's, so you can understand better who Jesus is. Abraham is a type. Abraham's a type. He is a type of justification by faith. He gave God, listen to me carefully, a, an acceptable reason to be accounted righteous, or in other words, to be in right standing with God. And how did he do it? By faith. He had faith. Let me read it to you, Romans 4, verses 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, in other words, if he'd done it on his own, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed, everybody say believed. Believed God, and it was what? Accounted to him for right standing righteousness. Now to him who works, you pray real hard, you, you do a lot of things real good for God, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. In other words, what he's saying here, a lot of people think that if they pray, if they do this, if they do that, then God owes them something. If they put oil on and they do everything just right, somehow God owes them something. But I'm here to tell you today, God owes no man nothing. He's no man's debtor. Okay, and so it's not by your works. It's not by how good you are. It's not by how perfect you are. Everybody can't be as good looking as Pastor Tim. 
or your new song leader. Amen. But it's not by your looks. It's not by your money. It's not by your race. It's not by any of that. It's by faith that we are made righteous. It's not what we do. It's what he did. Somebody say amen. So the Bible says in verse 5 of Romans 4, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies, watch this, who God justifies the ungodly. Wait a minute. God justifies, if I have no problem believing that God justifies the godly, I believe that God looks at Billy Graham and Mother Teresa or whoever you think's godly, Pastor Tim, whoever it is, I can see God justifying them, but the Bible says God justifies the ungodly. Wait a minute. God justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for a right standing. So here's what we're learning today, okay? Abraham was not always a perfect guy. He worshiped the moon god of Ur. His family was messed up, but he had faith in God. And because he had faith in God, it was accounted to him and brought him into right standing with God. So Abraham becomes the type of faith. He's called the father of faith because he believed in God. He didn't work for God. He didn't didn't do a bunch of stuff to get God to like him. He had faith in God. So the Bible says in verse 5 of Romans 4, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies, watch this, who ju- God justifies the ungodly. Wait a minute. God justifies, if I have no problem believing that God justifies the godly, I believe that God looks at Billy Graham and Mother Teresa or whoever you think's godly, pa- Pastor Tim, whoever it is, I can see God justifying them, but the Bible says God justifies the ungodly. Wait a minute. God justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for a right standing. So here's what we're learning today, okay? Abraham was not always a perfect guy. He worshiped the moon god of Ur. His family was messed up, but he had faith in God. And because he had faith in God, it was accounted to him and brought him into right standing with God. So Abraham becomes the type of faith. He's called the father of faith because he believed in God. He didn't work for God. He didn't didn't do a bunch of stuff to get God to like him. He had faith in God. Amen. Now, Sarah, let's talk about Sarah for a minute. Sarah, his wife, is his lawful wedded wife. It's the one that he actually is truthfully married to. Went through the ceremony, did the whole thing, and they were married together. Sarah, let's talk about her for a moment. Galatians 4.23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh or by human effort, and he of the free woman through promise. Let me explain that to you. Sarah was 90 years old, and, and, and Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac, their promised child, was born. But before that, they would have been trying and trying and trying. They didn't have doctors like we have. They didn't know what the problem was, but for many years, they'd been wanting to have a baby. In those days, it was totally legal, totally acceptable, totally a part of the culture, that the wife would have servants, made servants for the wife. And if she chose one of those servants, that servant could go in to the man, bear a child for the couple, and that would be their child. That servant would do this. She was a slave, and she would bear a child for the couple. So Sarah had given up faith, had given up on faith. She didn't believe faith no more. You're missing me. You're not even catching it. She's missing faith. So she sends old Hagar in, and Hagar, and by a work, by their work, they got in that tent together, and they worked it up. And out of that little rendezvous in that tent comes this little boy named Ishmael. 
which today is the, uh, the, the, where the Muslim nation comes from. So little Ishmael is born out of this, this union. Okay, but God said, that's not what I was all about, guys. I wasn't into that. I want you to go back in that tent. And so at 90 years old, how many of you know when you're 90 years old, you don't feel like a rendezvous? You're not into revival like that no more. Abraham's 100 years old, man. He goes off in there. Now, when he went in there with Sarah, uh, Hagar was uh, quite a few years earlier. Now, I, I didn't see he resisted at all. He kind of ran off in there with Hagar. Now he's probably kind of hobbling in there. And he comes in there, and the Bible says that they have a little boy by the name of Isaac. How many of you know that was a miracle because there was no Viagra in those days? Flat-out miracle right there. And so this is what the Scripture's talking about. The one that was born of Hagar... That one was by the flesh and by the works. But the one that was born by the miracle, the miracle, this is the promise. That was the free woman. She wasn't a slave. That was his wife. That was Sarah. Let's look at verse 24. Which things are symbolic, for these are the two covenants. These are the two types. The one is from Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where Moses gave the Ten Commandments, the law. Whenever you live by the law and by the rules, you're going to come into bondage. This is Hagar. The Ten Commandments come from there. This brings to mind, whenever you start telling people, thou shalt not. For years I preached on sin. Why? I had a good heart. I didn't want people to sin. But if you plant seeds of cantaloupe, you get cantaloupe. You plant apples, you get apples. You keep preaching on sin, you're going to have a whole church filled with sin. And that's what I had. And so, so it says it comes to bondage. It brings you to bondage. Okay? So it says, so it says for, in verse 25, for this Hagar was Mount Sinai in Arabia. And corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage to her children. So he's saying here, he's talking about the Muslims. He's talking about these nations. He says the natural Jerusalem in Israel today is in bondage because they're still bound by the rules. They still have all those laws. They walk around with those little phylacteries on their head. How many of you know what a, a bleeding prophet is? Bleeding Pharisee. They put those phylacteries, those little black boxes on their head. They put the Ten Commandments in there. And they're so afraid that if they look at a woman, they'll fall into lust. So they always look down and they bump into walls and so their heads are bleeding. True. That's the law. That's the way they live. And they have completely missed Jesus. And so they're busy establishing their own righteousness. They're living so perfect. They don't have televisions. They don't go with girls that chew. You're missing it all together. They're doing everything just right. They're living by the law. And he says to them, you're there relating to Hagar. They're connected to all the Ten Commandments. They're connected to the wrong thing, and they're in bondage. When Sarah is the real mother. So look what he says in verse 26. But the Jerusalem which is free from above, which is the mother of us all. So here's, here's the picture. I want you to catch me now. They have the same father. The father is Abraham. What does Abraham represent? Faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. He's the father of He represents faith. These boys have the father of faith. But one was born by works. The mom had given up on faith and sent works to do it. I, I just can't get it done. I can't believe for it no more. I'll just do it myself. God helps those that help themselves. And off they went in there. And from there we have the law and all these rules. And the other is Isaac, the promised child. He's born of Sarah. He's a free gift because it was a miracle. It was something that could not be done. And she is a picture of grace. Grace is God's ability to do in you what you cannot do for yourself. Let me say it again. That's what grace is. Grace is God's ability to work in you what you cannot do for yourself. 
I could not save myself. So Jesus came and did it for me. Somebody shout amen. Sarah represents grace. Everybody say grace. Oh, you got to learn. Faith, faith is represented by who? Abraham. See, you old guys are too slow. These young teenagers got you. Who represents faith? And who represents grace? And who represents the flesh? Hagar. Let's try it again. Who represents the flesh? And who represents grace? And who represents faith? Okay, we got that part now. Now we're ready to move. Now we're ready to move. This passage is filled with types and understandings. Let's go back to our scripture. Let's read it again. and Let's walk it out of the pages now. Let's see the truth that God has for us. Genesis 20 verse 1. And Abraham, this is the first mention of healing, okay? And Abraham journeyed from there to the south. And he dwelt at Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Let me play that out. They're going through a wilderness place in their life. They're in a place that they've never been. They don't know what to do. They're a little bit lost and confused. As they're going through, here comes this king Abimelech. He, he is powerful. Abraham's got his little clan. He's got an army. This guy is a picture of the enemy coming in. He fills faith with fear. Faith gets filled with fear. All of a sudden, faith looks at his wife and he says, she's my sister. Because Abimelech must have been, in those days, Sarah must have been fine. You guys are so religious and holy, you can't quite get the picture here. She was a good-looking girl. She was fine. She did something. She made old Abimelech go, woo! Okay, she, amen. And Abimelech said, I want that one. She said, that's my sister. You can give her up. Now, can you imagine giving your wife to some guy, and off goes your wife to this guy? And I don't see Sarah complaining. <laughs> Yeah. See, sometimes when your faith has been beat up real good, you don't complain about stuff. Oh, okay, we'll come back. Remember now, remember that faith is Abraham, Sarah is grace. So faith has taken grace into his family and married grace. Faith and grace are married together. Every Christian I know, if I say, do you have grace, do you believe in grace? Amen, amen, Pastor Ray. We believe in grace, amen. We sing amazing grace. We, that's one of our songs, my favorite song. Every Christian I know is married to grace. But suddenly, when the pressure and the fear comes, grace can become a sister. Grace becomes a sister. Now, you're not supposed to be intimate with your sister. You should have said amen there. We're going to think bad of you if you don't say amen right there. You're intimate with your wife, not your sister. Amen. Okay. So, so here we have something going on. Now we got the father of faith deliberately lying. Huh? How many of you know lying is not right? It's not right to lie. And now we have a, 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 a woman going straight off to have adultery with her husband's consent. How many of you know adultery is not right? Hey, you're getting better at this. You never overcome wrong by focusing on wrong. You have to believe right. So Abimelech takes so Sarah. Now, let's, let's be a little bit crude so you can get the picture. He's happy. It's honeymoon night, baby. 
This is a good-looking woman, and he's thrilled beyond himself. You can imagine. It's your honeymoon night. You got you a new one. Wow! He's, he's into it. He's he ready to find out what mama got. There he goes. I'm trying, trying to help you understand the story. Genesis 20, verse 3, but God, everybody say, but God. You ought to thank God for those but gods in your life. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you've taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, wait a minute. Abimelech didn't know nothing. Abimelech said, who's the girl? That's my sister. So Abimelech's not the guy that lied. It seems to me that God is scolding the wrong guy. Somebody say amen. He should have been after old Abraham. Abraham's the one that messed up here. Not Abimelech, but God comes and he's rebuking Abimelech. Because see, God is bigger than your mistakes. God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than your lie. Oh, I'm going to mess with you today. I can feel it. God's bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your mess-ups in your life and in your marriages. He's bigger. He's bigger. And so God comes, and God is now dealing at a different level. See, we all want to get down and get in the dirt. How many of you know if you get in a poop fight, you both stink? Okay. So God doesn't play that way. God doesn't play that way. You've got to learn this. You've got to see this. So God comes along. Now remember, by this time, Abraham is already a prince with God. He's a prince with God. He's already been made righteous because of how he believed. Not by what he did, but by how he believed. He's already the father of faith. He's already this. He's, uh, he's moving in a whole new dimension, okay? And so he's righteous by faith. Everybody say righteous by faith. So now what is God doing? God is defending faith and grace. Ah, oh, you're going to miss it. He said to Abimelech, you're a dead man. Why? Because you have separated faith from grace. Let me say it to you. Pastor Ray, I'm just picking on you because it's fun. You're a dead man if you separate faith and grace. Let me say it to everybody in here. You're dead people if you separate faith and grace. Your spirit will die. Your, your, your prosperity will die. Your posterity, your children, and the lineage that you have in God, the legacy will die. You're a dead man if you separate faith from grace. You got it? That section over there, get it? Okay, I just want to make sure. I make sure I'm back back there. Okay, so just because you have faith does not mean you have grace. Let me say it again. Just because you have faith does not mean you have grace. Faith people often abandon grace. Oh, we've got grace for everybody, but in walks that homosexual, and suddenly our grace is gone. In walks our daughter. See, this just happened to a pastor friend of mine. Announces that she's a lesbian and had been impregnated by some guy they don't know. Suddenly, uh-oh, we have a problem because I'm a pastor and I can't let this be seen to my congregation. Suddenly, grace is gone. Suddenly, there's no grace. Oh, a lot of faith, but no grace. Oh, I'm going somewhere. You're going to catch me in a few moments, okay? So, so Genesis said, 
But here's a beautiful thing. But Abimelech had not come near her. Now, wait a minute. We know that he had seen this woman. He'd asked for her. He'd been given this woman. He's excited. It's honeymoon night. He's all thrilled. He's ready to go in there. He's ready to do the tango. And suddenly, he's temporarily impotent. He can't function. He ain't got the unction to function. Somebody say amen so I can get off of this. <laughs> he can't do it, man. He's frustrated. He don't even know what's going on. It's God, it says. But God did this thing to him. And look what it says. And he says to the Lord, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation? I don't believe he said it mockingly. I don't will you slay a righteous I believe he, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation? I believe he's scared to death. How many of you know if even an angel came to your room, you'd pee your pants? This is God talking to you. See, you guys have a heart attack. You, anyway, we'll keep moving. And watch what he says. Rightfully so. Genesis 20, verse 5. Did Abraham not say to me, she is my sister? And she even herself said, he's my brother. In the integrity of my heart, in the innocence of my hands, I've done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did it. This is the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. I made you impotent, son. I took it away. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Listen to those words. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Let me put it in words. The world cannot defile grace. You cannot, but grace will purify the world. Oh, gosh, I... You should say amen right there. That's powerful. I don't care what the world does to God. You can spit in God's face. You can mock God. You can curse God. You can stand on a mountain and say he's not real. You cannot defile God's grace. His love for you does not change. Amen. It does not change by what you've done. It does not change by who you are. It does not change by your actions. And in fact, that grace is what will purify you. Amen. That grace is your saving factor. Listen to me. When Jesus... Preached a sermon on the mountain. There's all those people there. He comes off that mountain. As he comes off that mountain, the foot of the mountain, he's touched by a leper. Now, he's a rabbi. He's a a leader of the land. And in those days, if somebody unclean touched you, then you were unclean. You were considered unclean. But that Bible teaches us that when that man touched grace, grace caused that man to become healed. That grace touched that man and made him clean. And suddenly that man went away a whole man that day. Because when you touch grace, when you touch God, hallelujah, God can do in you what you cannot do for yourself. And that day grace purified that man. Somebody shout amen. So this is the story. Are you with me so far? Is this okay? It's the only one I'm going to preach. Genesis 20, verse 7. Now, therefore, God says to him, you restore the man's wife. Put grace, church, back where she belongs. Put her back where she belongs. Now, watch this, for he's a prophet. Now, wait a minute, this is the guy who lied. He's a prophet liar. <laughs> In my book, this is a prophet liar. He's a He's a prophet. And so, so when you, you don't see, here's what you got to understand, church. We have so long been ingrained with rules of regulations of righteousness. We think if we don't, if we do everything perfect, we're righteous with God. And if we make a mistake, we're not. That's not true. You're righteous not by what you do, but by what he did. This man lied and he's still the father of faith. It didn't change the fact. And it didn't change the fact that God's going to kill another guy over it. You guys see, I'm trying to help you walk into a grace. If, you don't, if you're not careful, you're going to miss a grace. And, and so he says, but if you do not restore her, 
know that you shall surely die and all those that are yours. So if you've got a lack of grace in your heart towards the Navajos, and the Navajos towards the Hopis, the Hopis towards the white man, the white man towards the black man, the black man towards the rich man towards that man, this man towards that man, that guy, that guy, this fat people, skinny people, tall people, short people, whatever your problem is, if you have a lack of grace there, see, let me tell you something. Let me shock you for a moment. At the current rate, by the year 2030, 50% of our population is going to be homosexual. You better figure out how to deal with it. If you, I'm not saying we condone the sin. I'm saying we empower the righteousness. If they learn who they are, things will change. If they don't, they're going to get worse. You've got to understand what I'm saying to you. If you don't figure this out, pretty soon you're going to have nobody to minister to. Pretty soon your sons and your daughters and your grandkids are going to come home and you're going to have to kick them out of your house because you're so righteous. And you'll separate your grace. You'll have no grace. And when you lose your grace from your faith, you die. Amen. I'm preaching you the word of God. You better have a grace towards people. I've I've learned. See, I used to have a gaydar up. You know what gaydar is? I had a real problem there. I couldn't couldn't function that way. It's not the way I swing and ding and all that. I, I just don't do that. And so I had a real problem. But, you know, I've learned something. I've learned something. And I've been able to help and embrace and touch and minister to people. And God is helping people. Amen. And so I don't care what their problem is. I, my, you know, we, we get all bummed out because the little 14-year-old girl's on the platform, big pregnant. And we say, what's she doing on the platform singing? She shouldn't be on the platform. And you're out there with your tongue six foot long gossiping. Which sin is worse? Have grace. Have grace. A little girl is struggling. She's having a hard enough time. She doesn't need you to beat her up. Love on her. Help her. Let her know that she's beautiful in God's eyes. Amen. Let, let, that, let these people that are struggling with their, their sexual identity, let these people that are struggling with drugs and stuff, let them know that God loves them. It's not by how perfect they are. It's by how perfect Jesus is. Amen. And if they'll believe on him, it's not how they do. It's how they believe. And if they will do that, if you and I will have grace as a church, Towards all of those that come in, if our grace will connect with our faith, we will birth promises. But if we keep our grace separated from our faith, we will die. And our children will die. And our heritage will die. And everything will be barren. And that's why your kids don't come to church, because they see your lack of grace. You've drawn such rules, you better not go to a dance with an unsaved guy. You better not go to a movie. You better not. And we've drawn all these rules. And Oh, I saw the preacher in an R-rated movie. And you're the one dying on the inside. If the preacher goes to the wrong movies, let God deal with the preacher. That's not your business. You ain't God. Somebody say amen. And you're not a judge. See, somehow we've made ourselves arbitrators of grace. That means that we get to decide who gets it. No, no, you're supposed to be a facilitator of grace. Everybody gets it. Jesus died for everybody. You don't get to decide who gets it. All get it. Even those you don't like, they get it. You're supposed to facilitate it. You're supposed to marry it. Don't make it your sister. Oh, man, I'm preaching really good now. See, you're catching on now. Now watch what he said. Oh, this is what it gets really good. Genesis 20, verse 8. So Abimelech, see, it freaked him out, man. How many of you know God speaks to you in your room and you, it freaked him out. He got up early in the morning. 
He called all of his servants. They told all those things in his hearing, in their hearing. And the men were very afraid. And Abimelech called to Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not have been done. Now, I don't have time, so I'm going to fast forward to verse 14. Then Abimelech, watch this. Now Abimelech takes sheep, oxen, male and female servants, and gives them to Abraham. Wow! And restores Sarah, his wife, to him. So he gave grace back to faith, and what happened to faith? Faith was immediately enriched. Oh, you're missing it. When you get grace in your heart, your faith will become enriched. When you get grace back where it belongs, your faith will become enriched. You'll have an ability to have faith, and prosperity will begin to flow. See, the reason you're living paycheck to paycheck, your grace is not home. Your grace is put out somewhere. You let grace go with somebody else. You let the Catholics have grace. You let the Mormons have grace. You let the sinners have grace. And you've dismissed grace. You've arbitrated it. Amen. Come on. I'm not trying to be ugly to nobody. I'm trying to help you. Right now, I just got back from England. Let me shock you a little bit, okay? The Anglican church used to be this three-division church. It had a little teeny bit of charismatic stuff that happened from the Toronto Revival. Then it had a large group of people that were super legalists and lived by the Queen's orders. And then it had a little group of people that were very liberal homosexuals in the, in the Anglican church. Today, it has shifted. Suddenly, there's a huge group of tongue-talking, spirit-filled, praying on people, people being set free, people being healed, people being delivered in the Anglican church. There's a little teeny group of legalists anymore, and there's a little bit larger group of homosexuals over here. But the the bigger group now is spirit-filled, moving in God. God is sweeping across the nation in the Anglican church because the Pentecostals missed the moment. Because we were judging who should get it and who shouldn't. Somebody shout amen. I'm trying to help you, church. God wants to visit Flagstaff. God wants to visit your home. God wants to visit your life. You better get grace back inside your faith. If you get grace and faith married in your life, it will cause an enrichment to come. When grace is returned to the proper place, faith is enriched. Grace is a magnet. When you have grace, it's a magnet for blessings. A magnet for blessings. My friend was sitting in a hospital this last week. Prostate, thought he had prostate cancer. He's a pastor of a church of 800 people. He thought he was in trouble. He would have been praying every morning. Come to find out, thank God, it was not cancer. Okay? So he's very thankful. The two guys that took care of him, we're, we're talking about one of the finest hospitals in Los Angeles. I won't say names. The two doctors were homosexual doctors. They were lovers, but they couldn't get married because the one was a, was a Catholic and he's still married to his wife and the other is a simply God. And you can't marry somebody that's married. <laughs> Now I'm messing with you. These two doctors are the doctors that saved my friend's life. They helped him with a couple of other problems at the same time. My friend is talking to him. So they asked my friend, what do you think about, what do you do? He says, I'm a pastor. And he says, well, yeah, well, uh, do, you, do you like homosexuals? He said, I have some in my church. He says, I love homosexuals. I'm reaching out to them. We're seeing God put them together. Some are married, some are single, some are still my church. And I beat the wolves off of those that come to my church because I want them there. Those two guys looked at him and says, we love you, man. You're awesome. You're the kind of guy we want to believe in. Next day they come back and said, well, you know what we did for you? We, we, we found out, because his wife had told him, that one of the things he was wanting is a new building. They were struggling for a new building. They needed $2 million. And so those two guys went out, and guess what they did? They brought back $2 million. Did you hear what I said? These two homosexual guys went out to the world, got their buddies, and brought back $2 million to the man of God laying in the hospital and gave it to him because when faith and grace are married, it releases riches. 
Oh, I know you. You, I can't take that, man. That's filthy lucre. It ain't filthy when it touches me, baby. It becomes holy in my hands. Hallelujah. You got any filthy lucre, bring it my way. I'll purify it for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's keep moving. Some of you are having a real problem here this morning. Faith and grace married are a magnet. It draws blessing to you. It draws people into your life. It draws things that you would never have in your life. You'll be over there in your little world, struggling financially, struggling in your life, can't get anywhere. Pretty soon your bosses and your employers are going to be homosexual and all this. I don't know why I'm stuck on that this morning. Somebody must need to hear it. It's not even in my notes, so I'll just keep saying it until you get it. One of these days, you're going to have to learn to deal with these folks. These are people with human souls. He who wins souls is wise. You got to win their soul. You got to win their hearts. You got to win their lives. And so, so there's something that transpires. And when you do that, he says, now watch what he says in verse 25. See, my land is before you, faith. Dwell wherever it pleases you. Now all of a sudden, Abraham, because he married Grace again, they have money, they have male and female servants, and now they have dominion in the land. If Flagstaff will marry faith and grace, you will have dominion in this mountain. Somebody say amen. Verse 26, then Sarah said, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Let me break it down to your terminology. Abimelech said, you know what? Because you've done this and because of all this, I want to give you a thousand shares of apple. Well, you still missed it. (laughs) Amen. He, he blessed him with great prosperity. And watch what it says in the Amplified Version. Are you guys okay with this? I'm almost done. See, here it is. It's to compensate you for everything that's happened here. Now he's blessing Sarah. Sarah lied to him. And he's blessing faith and grace now. And to vindicate your honor before all who are with you, before all men, you are cleared and compensated. So, before healing can flow... In the body of Christ, what is God waiting for? Before healing can flow in your marriage, before healing can flow in your life, what is God waiting for? Grace and faith to be married. Grace is not a subject we teach. Grace from this scripture shows us it is a royalty. It is a position that we stand and we place in honor. We honor people. We don't arbitrate grace. We facilitate it. We love people. We share with people. And when we do that, that causes this thing to flow. So Abraham prayed, it says in the next verse. And God healed Abimelech, his wife, his female servants, and they bore children. Now we're talking about a fruitful land, a fruitful church, an impact in an entire region. For the Lord had closed up the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Are you guys all right with this? What time is it? Are we okay for time? I'm going to get off my notes and go a different direction. I feel the Lord telling me to do this. It's going to help somebody. I don't know who. In the Old Testament, I believe it's the book of Haggai. I think it's the second chapter. I could be wrong on this. There's a scripture in there that come to the priest. And they say to the priest, I'm carrying a holy object. And I brush against something that's unclean. Am I now, is the holy object now unclean? And the priest says, oh yeah. Yeah, see this is Old Testament. Old Testament. Listen to it. Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if you touch something clean or unclean or sinful, then you were unclean and sinful. That's Old Testament. Everybody say Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, we don't do that way. Now we're in grace. Now we're in grace. So now something shifts. And now grace and righteousness are contagious, not sin and uncleanness. 
grace and right. You, if you marry faith and grace, you become contagious. You become contagious. Everybody you touch will feel the presence of God. You will carry within you the promises of God. You will carry within you the ability to birth in people's lives, your own children, your own work environment, wherever you are. You'll birth prosperity. You'll birth blessing because you will carry it because of the spirit that you carry inside of you. Are you with me? Now let me take you to 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible says that if you're married to an old scoundrel, I'm using Kirkland paraphrase here, if you're married to an unbeliever, that's what the Bible says, and that unbeliever sees fit to stay with you, stay with them. Why does it say stay with them? Because what's going to happen to them? They will be made sanctified. They will become holy because you stay with them. Not because they change, not because they did anything. You, because you're contagious, will make them holy. You read it in your Bible. You will make them holy. Not because, they, because you did what God told you to do. They will become holy. And your children shall be saved. You, because you live right, you're contagious. Your children will be saved. Now, if you don't have grace, your children are going to go their way. If you don't have grace, things are going to happen. Now, it does say, if the unbelieving departs, let them go. You're not held in bondage. You don't, you, you're not, you don't need to feel bad. If they go, they go. But if they stay, you can stay. And you need to understand, as you stay, you actually sanctify them. You are contagious. You cause righteousness to come to the family. You cause grace to come to the family because of who you are. And who are you? You're in right standing with God. How did you get there? By your faith in God. Not by anything you did. Not by being as good looking as this guy up here. Not by wearing a beautiful tie like he's got. It doesn't, that doesn't make you a Christian. You can go sit in McDonald's all day and you won't be a Big Mac. I've got people sitting in churches all over America today. They're not Christians. Amen. Just because you sit in church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a good person. Just because you kiss your wife doesn't mean you love her. No, true. It's true. I'm trying to help you. It's, I'm trying to help you. It's something of the spirit. It's something of the heart. You know why people commit adultery? Because something's wrong inside. Amen. That's what's what faith and grace. We're having a little problem. Weren't they having a little problem? I mean, you don't just give your wife to every guy that walks by, should you? So that's answer is no. No, you don't do that. You guys have to teach you these basic, basic things. We have to come back to a marriage. Ray, you got yourself full of questions and answers on this marriage thing. Amen. So you are the one that's contagious. And so if you'll marry that grace inside your heart, your children, you love them. They, they make a lot of mistakes. They do things that are wrong. But you speak towards their future. You marry your faith. You look at your kid. Let, let me tell you about God. God, right now, there's people out there laying in the street somewhere drunk on alcohol. And we look at them. We call them a wino. God looks at them and calls them a pastor. God looks at them and calls them a prophet or an apostle. You're calling them a drunk and God calls them something. You've you got to speak to their future. You've got to have grace. You've got to have grace. Your kid's on meth today, but he's a prophet. God loves him. Your husband's an alcoholic, but he's the greatest man of God in the house. He's a servant. you just got to see it different. You've got to marry faith and grace so that the magnet of heaven can come and kiss earth. Amen. Then flow, the healing flows. Are you following me? Then the healing flows. So, so when do I pray for some? If, uh, when do I get anointed enough to come and be in the prayer line and pray for the sick? When I finally figure out that I'm not that great. When I finally realize it's not me that heals anybody. I can't heal a sick fly. When I finally realize that it's God through me. I just have faith in him. Okay. The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It doesn't say that I have to do ten gyroflexes and, and five crosses. and I don't have to do, It just says lay hands on them. I don't even have to pray. It just says lay hands on them. You listening to me? 
I was in India just recently. I was with Richie Petrello. He plays uh, saxophone for Celine Dion and, and Bruce Springsteen and all these people. He fills up the stadiums playing that saxophone. That boy can play a saxophone. We're in 65,000 Indians sitting out there. He starts playing that saxophone. You can feel it ripping through the atmosphere. You can feel it ripping in the atmosphere. Them Indians jumped to their feet and started dancing. I was freaked out, man. All the Indians were praising God. I said, whoa, check it out. And old Richie looked at me. He goes, God told me not to preach. Quit preaching and play my Saxon. He would deliver people. He would heal people. I said, well, go for it. He'd come off that stage, walk down in the crowd. It's kind of dangerous. It is dangerous. We're 65,000 people. You don't know who's for you and against you. You don't know what's going on out there. And he's walking along playing that Saxon. Now, he can play a Saxon with one hand better than most people can play it too. And he's playing with one hand. He walks out there. There's this boy out there. His neck swelled up that big. His eyes rolled back, foam at the mouth. Demon eyes. Full-on demon-possessed, no doubt in my mind. And he looked at that guy, never said a word, took that sex and went like that. And you saw that guy. And that thing just came out of the guy's eyes, began to sparkle. He was clean and fresh. And on we went. On we went. We went down through the line. I watched the guy with no eye. Boom. All of a sudden, a bright purple eye, or brown eye, beautiful eye just Formed in his eye, and, and nobody even prayed for him. Nobody even touched him. He said, whoop, with that saxophone. Whoop, whoop, like that. And people were just getting free. I said, and he looked at me and says, maybe it's time to preach. I said, keep blowing that thing. This is the most greatest service I've ever been in. Blow that saxophone. Man, I was walking all around in the crowd with him. You listen to what I'm saying? It's not about how great we are. It's about how great he is. And when we marry our faith to God, when we have grace, it's not about how great we pray. And, if, and let, let me talk about the other side. You need a healing. It's not about how perfect you are. When you finally realize you're not perfect, that's when you'll get your healing. Quit trying to perform for it. Just love God. Let God. Let God be God. Marry faith and grace. See, in your own life, you don't have grace for yourself. You try to be something that you're not. You try to be perfect. Quit trying to be perfect. God's perfect. You're not perfect. God's perfect. Accept Jesus in your heart. Amen. Then come up here as, 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 and say, God, I, I am righteous, not because of anything I've done, but because of who you are. And then the healing flows. I had cancer 12 years. I spent years in UCSD, Medical Research Center. They gave me three months to live. You know what brought healing to me? Two, well, several things. But one of them was grace. I figured out grace. And then God taught me the greatest weapon ever of peace. When you have peace, what can cancer do to you? And God healed me. Since then, I've been seeing people healed of cancer right and left everywhere we go. We see people healed of cancer because we teach them how to walk in grace. Marry grace, and peace will come to your heart. And boom, out cancer goes because cancer can't survive in that environment. Amen. Amen. That's when healing flows. That's when your marriage gets better. That's when your finances will improve. That's when you get the raises on your job. You know what favor is? Favor isn't like an elevator. It lifts you to a place where you don't deserve it. The other guy has more, more qualifications. The other guy should be getting the job. But you got it. You, why'd you get it? Because of God's favor. Amen. And how did you get the favor? Because you had faith and grace. Are we done today? Have you, have you learned something? Have you caught on? When did God, uh, Job went through a lot of problems. When did it turn? When did Job's troubles turn? Put that, I think we got the scripture up there. Put it up there somewhere. Job had a lot of problems right there. And God restored it all when he prayed for his friends. Here's the guys that had tormented him. Here's the guys that had been lying on him. Here's the guys that had all, but he had a grace towards him. And when he prayed and had a grace, he married faith and grace. And boom, God restored everything. You want to see God restore things in your life? I'm trying to give you the method. This is the first mention of healing 
And buried within it is the truth of faith and grace, being married. Don't make grace your sister. Don't decide who gets grace because you like them or don't like them, or because you think they're doing right or not doing right. You don't get to decide all of that. That's not yours to decide. You give grace to them when they don't deserve grace. Aren't you glad Jesus did that for you? You didn't deserve no grace, and he gave it to you. So you give grace at all times to all people. Let God sort it out. Amen. That's not yours to sort out. It's God's. You simply have a grace towards people. You have a faith towards people. You believe God. God is able to do the impossible. He can raise the dead. He can heal the sick. He can restore a marriage. Amen. I just ministered for a great couple. They got married when they were 16 years old, divorced at 17, married again at 19, divorced at 20, and married again at 23. Hallelujah. Today they got a great church. They've been together for the last 30 years, and we're believing for a few more. Hallelujah. God can do anything. He can restore things. He can put things together. And that's the God we serve. I want you to bow your heads. Amen. I've come to tell you today that God is trying to move in Flagstaff. He's trying to move in your marriage. He's trying to move in your home. And you are the one that's contagious. You are the one that's able to bring this to pass. Get grace back where it belongs in your heart. Get your faith married to your grace. Don't just have faith. Have grace. So you're praying for that person and suddenly you smell alcohol in their breath and there goes your grace and there goes the faith and nothing happens. You keep that grace married to faith and you watch what God will do. You watch what God will do. God loves them. God cares. Amen. And you know it's to be true. You know it to be true. And let God do what God does and God will bless. This is what God has for this church. You're to be a church that gives birth to grace. You're to be a, a, a church that, that gives birth to promises because you've married grace and faith together in Jesus' name. Now, Father, thank you. Thank you for the people that have listened so attentively today, and I pray that they'll always remember that they are married to grace and to have grace towards people. God's ability to do in them what they cannot do for themselves, God can do it. And we don't get to decide who that's for. It's for everyone. Help us to remember that, Lord. Help us to remember that today so that the oppressed of our families can be set free and healed by the power of Jesus' blood. Amen. If you're in this house this morning and you've come as a visitor or you're here, maybe you've been here many times, but today it's dawning on you. It's not how perfect you are. It's not how great you are. It's not how righteous you are. It's not how you've earned a way. I'm not good enough to come to church. It's not about anything you do. It's about what he does for you. And today that's dawned on you and you've begun to understand that that's what the plan and the mind of God is. And you say, Pastor Ray, today I need to become righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. I need to accept Jesus into my heart, not based on anything that's happened or is currently happening, but based on I believe that God is in my life and able to help me. I love Jesus. If that's your request, I want you to slip your hand up and set it back down. I see this hand, and I see this hand, and I see this hand. I see this hand. Others of you, be honest. You can set it back down. Amen. God bless you. Others, hands are going up. Hands are going up. Now, just a minute, here's what we're going to do. I don't know how you conduct services here on a regular basis, so I'm going to be gracious to the house. We're going to stand in just a moment, and we're going, to, we're going to pray together. And those that raised your hands, I want you, we're going to pray, all of us are going to pray, and I want you to pray from your heart.
the words together. The only reason I'm going to lead is maybe you don't know how or what to say, so I'm going to help you know what to say. And we're going to pray, and Jesus is going to hear this prayer today, and you're going to come into right standing with God, not because you're perfect, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. You're going to come into right standing with God, and you're going to be what we call born again. You're going to have a new spirit, and God's going to do something real and beautiful in you. And then you go out, and you share that same love with other people. You let that grace go to all your friends, and you watch what God will do for you. He'll elevate, bless, and cause great things to happen in your life if you'll do those things. Now, look up at me for a moment. Some of you old-time saints need to get your grace married back to your faith. Amen? Amen. We have, in the old days, we were legalistic, and we meant well. I, I, I've apologized from many pulpits. I preached pretty hard. You know, don't smoke Marlboros, and so they'd smoke cools. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had all these rules and regulations. My heart was to keep them out of hell. I thought I was keeping them out. I don't keep them out of hell. Jesus does. And I did these things trying to help them, trying to teach them the rules. Now, I understand when you have people that are in drug addiction, you have to create parameters to help them walk. But the idea is for us to walk in faith with God. Is that right? And and not the rules and regulations, but if if I teach you to do what's right and wrong, then you're going to find ways around that. But if God comes into your heart and puts the want to in you, that changes everything. Changes everything. You won't even want to do it no more. It changes. So Jesus is the answer. We've got to get righteousness in their hearts. Amen? Okay, and so if you want to win back your husbands and your children, you want to see God move, you've got to get that grace married back in there. You've got to get that grace married back in there. Now, I, I'm not the pastor of this house, so everything I've preached today, is, it could change according to what the man of God says for this house. But if you're having struggles with areas, homosexuality, drug addiction, you ought to talk to your pastor. There's a grace in this house. Amen. We love you. Nobody judges you. We believe God with you. Amen. And, and we'll see God do great things in your life. Nobody's judging anybody. You just walk it out with God. Let God help you. Amen. Somebody say amen. And walk this thing out with God. And you go from this place. And if you have struggles with those things and don't know how to balance that in your life, talk with your wife. Talk with your family. Figure it out. If you can't figure it out, talk with Pastor Tim. Talk with somebody. Get this thing figured out so that grace is in your heart. You hear me today, church? You get grace in your heart. Amen. You get grace in your heart. God loves everybody. Everybody, 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 everybody. We have over a hundred transvestites sitting in the church of CFTN. I don't go and ask them, have you had the surgery yet? What how God's going to sort you out? <laughs> I know how y'all think. Do you know that every one of them got a spirit and a soul? body is going to decay but God that spirit and that soul is going to be right you hear what I'm saying that body ain't even going to make heaven anyway so we're all flipped out over things that we shouldn't even be concerned with God loves them God's going to have to sort that out I can't walk them out of it I didn't walk them into it I can't fix what I didn't break you hear what I'm saying we simply love them and guess what God's doing he's healing them and guess what's happening they're bringing their families guess what their families aren't all that bound up in the same things they're bound up but their families are finding a church that has grace amen because their families care about their sons and their daughters you hear what i'm saying and because we've embraced and just loved on them we can't fix their problems i can't think i'm not a surgeon i don't know what to do i can't fix these problems i just love on them just be a friend 
Somebody say amen. I don't know why I've got so hooked up on this homosexual thing today. Somebody in here struggling. Maybe it's your family member. Listen, love your family member. If that's your baby, love your baby. Love your child. Don't put them out. Don't ostracize. Have grace. Marry. Let faith and grace marry. And see what promise God will birth in your home. Love on them. It won't kill you. What are you afraid of? That you're going to get tarnished? Are you living in the Old Testament? You're contagious, not them. I can walk into a bar and guess what? I'm not going to become an alcoholic. I can walk right through it and still be a Christian. Whoa! I can sit with somebody smoking a joint and guess what? I'm not a drug addict. It doesn't, doesn't get on me. I might smell a little funny, but it doesn't get on me. I can handle it. You know what we did? I, I don't know why I'm sharing all. We had a We just opened a brand new home in Saltillo. We had 400 prostitutes come through our house. Yeah, brand new. Beautiful, beautiful. 400. We served 400 girls. Gave them medical attention. Loved on them. We only have room for 14. We've taken 14 girls in now in beautiful rooms. Each room has a, a bathroom, a shower. I mean, it's nice. It's as nice as a Sheraton Inn or something. It's nice. And we're going to keep her for a year. We're going to love on her and help her, get her strong. And then we're going to put her back out into the church that brought her in. And she's got to serve the church for a year. And then after that, we're going to help her get a job in the community. We're going to help them walk their way out. We're touching those girls. How many of you know that girls can't make it if somebody doesn't reach out and touch them a little bit? Guess what? I didn't become a, a, a pimp because I helped them. I'm not a pimp. See, you're so afraid. Oh, somebody's going to see me with this person. Oh, you're so holy. I'm sorry. We didn't want to tarnish you. Your wings got dirty. Your halo slipped. Come on. You hearing what I'm saying? Flagstaff's got a lot of problems. I was born and raised right over there in Winslow, <laughs> the armpit of Arizona. <laughs> the belly button, whatever you want to call it. Grew up right over here. Shaky Drake's was the hangout, baby. Oh, yeah, I went back there, didn't I? And so, but there, I understand what's going on, but I also understand that God's visiting right now. If you'll change your spirit and your heart, God will birth promises throughout this house. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. we got to get out of here before Pastor Tim gets mad at me. I've preached long. I don't know how long I've preached, but I thank you for your... I still got 25 minutes. Give the preacher a hand. Come on, he did good. You're going to get out early. <laughs> You're going to get out early, man. We're going to be the first ones there. Let's five, guys. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray together, can we? Let's pray together. Those that raised your hands, I want to first pray for you. And church, will you join with us as we pray together? And if you raise your hand, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you, and he's going to hear this prayer. Let's say it together. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my, forgive me of my transgressions. Forgive me of my tr- I believe that you are the Lord. I believe that you are And that you died for me. And that you died for me. And today I surrender my heart to you. Today I surrender my heart. And I'm made clean because of you. And I'm made clean And I'm in right standing because of you. And I'm in right standing. I can actually come before God because of you. I can actually come before Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. And from this day on. And from this day on. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. To live holy and upright. To live holy and upright. But I know that whatever happens. But I know that whatever happens. You are my Savior. You are my savior. And I'm made righteous because of you. And I'm made righteous. In Jesus' name. Now let's give the Lord a big clap offering for that. Come on, everybody.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, a big clap offering. Come on, hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Thank you for these precious souls. Thank you for Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. We are-